just kept going. You're kidding me. That's unbelievable. Personally, I wouldn't let that slide. Oh, zip it, Franklin. Nobody cares what you personally think. <laughs> you boys are killing me. Okay, okay. Back to the serious stuff. You guys been hearing about those serial murders happening to the major company executives? You mean like the one in New York? New York, Pennsylvania, California, all over. Seems this killer has no limits for where he kills. You folks watching the stream can see this. But for my friends listening to the podcast and radio stations, we're looking at a picture of some guy at the New York Instant. They only got a glimpse of him before he disappeared. But what they got... Scary stuff, folks. Best watch your backs out there. Titan's going rogue these days. Franklin, do you even think before you talk? All right, that's fair. If you make more than 500000 a year, watch your back. Even more, if you are the CEO of a major company that sprung up over the last five years, watch your back. Yeah. All twelve of you. More maniacal laughter came from the radio, and Nick, who was thoroughly annoyed at the moronic station, slid his finger down on the screen, turning the volume down. Welcome to California. Welcome to California. Bill's voice woke Sam from his nap. Well, thank you, Charlie said. Shut it, Bill answered. Hey kid, you awake? Nick asked. They were still on the highway and he had just passed the welcome sign for California. I am now. How far do we get there? Sam said in a yawn. You're gonna make me yawn, Charlie said. Sam turned around. You're literally a robot. You can't yawn. Sam said. I can too, yawn. Watch me. And then he yawned. Twice. See? He said. I can too, yawn. The rate we're going, Nick said. We should be there in 20 minutes. I gotta make sure you know the plan. Tell it to me. First, we enter the building, Charlie said. Not you, Nick snapped. Oh. Right, Charlie said. Okay, Sam said. We go in, get past security, and find a way to get inside the room. You said they'd be meeting at 2.30, right? Right. And my guy said they had important business. Who knows how long we got? Nick said. We don't need much time. We just need to get in and grab him. Sam retorted. Right, Charlie said. It's not that simple, Nick said. Wrong. Charlie corrected. Would you shut your mouth? Bill said. You can't just bust into a place crawling with thugs and high-tier mercenaries and expect to walk out without a fight, Nick said. We gotta be smart about this or it ain't gonna work. Well then, what's the plan? Sam said. Simple. 
My guy says he's meeting an official, like a senator or something. Anyway, it shouldn't be too bad. So we... Just then, Nick's cell phone began to ring. Hang on. This is my guy. I gotta take this. He put the call on private. Yo. Yeah, about ten minutes out. There's no chance. I don't know when he's gonna be back. What's going on? Holy. You couldn't have told us that sooner? For crying out loud. That could throw us way off. Sam repositioned himself, feeling increasingly anxious as Nick spoke. I guess. Nick took a deep breath. Well, thanks for the heads up. We would have been screwed if we went in blind. All right, keep me posted. Nick tapped his wrist and shook his head. What was that all about? Sam said. You know how I said I was going to be a senator? Nick said. Yeah, Sam said feeling even more nervous. It's not. We might need to change the plan. The city of Los Angeles. A place where men and women in the thousands bring their hopes and dreams. Those same hopes and dreams will either become a reality or be crushed before your very eyes. Either way, fairness is a concept unfamiliar to this city. Downtown, there resides a hotel by the name of Tana de Ladri, one of the biggest and most expensive hotels in the world, a popular meeting place for top dogs, both good and bad, industry tycoons and crime lords. Though, who can tell the difference anymore? At the top of the hotel was a massive conference room with windows on all sides, letting the sun illuminate the room. Inside the conference room, at the head of the table sat an older man with a long black beard, whose wrinkles and frown lines were nearly as noticeable as his streaks of gray hair that shot straight down the center of his head. He wore a suit that cost more than a normal man's yearly wage and smoked one of the most expensive cigars on the market. Standing on his left and right were men armed to the teeth with deconstructor pistols, stun batons, and combat armor. Their faces were covered by black masks, and they wore black baseball caps, making the two of them indistinguishable. Typical bodyguards. The door opened, and a man walked in, escorted by a snow-white cat with husky blue eyes. This man wore a ridiculously expensive suit. Apart from that, he had no defining features. Your typical average Joe. Not too fat. Not too skinny, not surprisingly tall or short. His hair, though professionally styled, wouldn't call for a double take on its best day. He was the kind of man who could slip into a crowd unnoticed and completely disappear. Mickey Burnham, you are late, said the older man. Mickey checked his wristwatch and sat down on the other side of the table. Oh, Don, I'm not late. I'm right on time. Have you not heard the expression, if you're not early, you're late? I've heard that from ridiculous mid-tier scum who like to take advantage of those whom they are in charge of. You are above them. We both are now. 
Odon said with a smile. High-tier pay for high-tier work. Do you know about the rumors spreading about the two of us? I like to keep my ears open, but remind me. People are saying we are quickly becoming the head of the trafficking industry, the kings of human trade. Music to my ears. Mickey chuckled. Trafficking. That's a term peasants use. I call it business. Profitable business. I can raise a glass to that. Good idea. Odon pressed a button on the conference table. Woman, he said. Yes, sir, a female voice said over the intercom. As she did, the doors opened, and two men dressed in serving attire walked in, carrying drink trays. Never mind, Odun said, pressing the button again. The two men, carrying drink trays, split off, circling around the long table. A tall, blonde young man walked straight to Odon, while a messy-haired older man loomed by Mickey and his snow-white cat. Perfect timing, Mickey said. We were just about to call for drinks. What selection do you have? The messy-haired server bowed his head and began placing the drinks on the table. Compliments of the house. Here we have a Diamond Jubilee cocktail. Chateau de Ikem. The server placed the drinks as he named them. The blonde-haired server mirrored what his partner did, placing drinks in front of Odon, who immediately began to down them. The white cat jumped up on the table and began to sniff the drinks as they were being served. And finally, the messy-haired servant said, we have Salvatore's legacy. These cocktails are replications of worldwide delicacies. Please enjoy. Give the house my best, Mickey said. With pleasure, the messy-haired server said with a bow. They both began to walk out. Don't move, either of you, Odon said as Mickey began to drink his cocktails. The servers froze in their steps. Odon sat, eyeing the servers as they stood still. Stick around. We may want refills. He lifted an empty glass in the air. Since the house is being so generous, why not take advantage? He said with a low chuckle. Of course, sir, said the messy-haired servant. I'll have those right out. He grabbed Odon's empty cups and stalked out as the blonde-haired server closed the door, waiting quietly for his partner to return. By the way, Odon, Mickey continued, I heard that you had a big score last year. Yes, Odon said with a bright smile. That is correct. In fact, it was after our last meeting in the Grand Hotel. I pulled the heist at the museum the next day, thinking I would find a suitable gift for a client in Afghanistan. When I was there, I stumbled upon a boy more powerful than I ever expected to see in these states. You just stumbled upon him while robbing a museum? Well, truth be told, he stumbled upon me. And that boy was your big find? That boy alone made me more money than my entire stock combined. That's only because adults are out. 
There's a much higher demand for children. There always has been. You may consider changing the age group that you pull. Children are easier to take as well. Maybe for you. You touch a man and he does what you say. I touch a man and I break him. I will stick with adults. Maybe I will be lucky and find another of his kind. If I search hard enough. Inaudible and out of view of the two men at the table. The blonde-haired server by the door scowled, struggling to keep his shaking hands from their view. I came across quite an extraordinary boy myself some time ago. Really? You? Now I'm interested, Odon said, raising another wine glass to his mouth. Do tell. It was before we met. I worked for a small-time trader in Columbus, Ohio. I was looking for an assistant who could shapeshift. I thought I'd finally found one. Her brother was sleeping on the train beside her, and you know I can't command people when they're asleep. When he woke up, I told him to get in the tram next to us, and he did. But not a minute later, he walked right out, as if I hadn't just told him to leave. That has never happened before or since that day. Impressive. Did you get the girl? I followed them to the zoo and took the girl when the boy was distracted. He tried to follow, but I lost him in a cab. I stashed the girl in a janitor's closet at our base in the mall. The mall? Godon cocked his head. I told you he was small time, didn't I? When I came back for the girl, she was gone. She must have escaped somehow. That caused me a lot of trouble. My boss was not happy. But that's about the time when I realized I could be something so much more than just a lackey for mid-tier scum. I could be considered high-tier, or at least appear to be for what I lack in raw power. Odon waved his hand. Now you are just repeating yourself. I've heard this story. I didn't know you had a shape-shifting assistant. Mickey nodded and snapped his. Mickey nodded and snapped his finger. The snow-white cat jumped on the floor and morphed into a stunningly beautiful girl with white hair and unnatural blue eyes, the type of eyes you'd see on a husky dog, but not a human being. Gamela has been with me for almost two years now. When I found her, she was no more than gutter trash, begging on the streets. Disgusting. But I took her in and taught her everything she needs to know. What a convenient assistant. No need to pay for expensive meals when she could simply eat cat food. Odon let loose a deep belly laugh, pointing at the girl, whose white dress matched her hair. Yes, I, Mickey said, slurring his words and letting his eyes droop. Is there a problem, Mickey? She's been quite convenient, Mickey said. Then his face hit the table and he slid off of his chair onto the floor. Odon rose to his feet as the blonde-haired server knocked on the door twice. Odon's eyes shut open wide. He picked up one of the wine glasses. The drinks! As Odon's guards readied their weapons on Sam, 
Charlie kicked the doors clean off their hinges. One of the doors flew straight onto a guard, knocking him off his feet, while the other door impaled the wall, sinking all the way to the doorknob. Sam dropped to the floor as Charlie walked in, scanning left and right, getting a read on the situation. A guard began firing at him. He grabbed one of the bullets out of the air and tossed it back to the guard at double the speed it came. From Sam's perspective, it just looked like the guard shot himself. Charlie kicked the conference table, shoving a very shocked Odon out the window. Conference table and all. Fastest elevator I've seen. Good day, miss, he said, nodding to the white-haired girl beside Sam. The girl looked confused and scared, and took off running toward the stairs. Sam sprinted to the window and peered out. Odon was hanging on a ledge. He apparently had caught himself on one of the balconies two floors down. Sam, Charlie said. Heavy thumping came from behind him as one of the guards that was previously knocked off his feet had taken a running start at Sam. He shot his hands down, summoning the gloves as an electrical buzzing started to charge up. In one smooth motion, Sam dropped to one knee, spinning out of the way right as the thug came in for a tackle. Grabbing the man's collar, he sent electricity coursing through his body while he flipped him out the window. The man convulsed the whole way down, colliding with Odon, who was just about to pull himself up on the ledge and knocked him back down, now swinging on the edge again. He grabbed the thug's neck and tossed him aside, smashing the window to get inside the room. See him? Sam asked. Sure do, Charlie said. Let's get him, they nodded to each other, and Sam hopped on Charlie's back, latching on like a koala. Charlie jumped out the window flipping over and grabbing the ledge to swing his body downward and launch them both straight at the balcony. Charlie landed on one knee, allowing Sam to climb off first, just in time for Odon to grab him by the neck. Looking into his eyes, his memories flashed back to the museum, seeing Jack fight this man with everything he had, descending to the floor slowly as Sam knelt with a gun to his head. Sam stopped his breathing. Was this memory affecting him that much? He snapped out of the intrusive memory and felt Odon's grip on his neck tighten. Winding up, he punched Odon's arm with a full charge of electricity, making it jolt downward and release him. In that moment, Charlie delivered a left cross to Odon's chin, rolling out of the way so Sam could follow up with another punch. Sam jumped to punch him directly in the center of his chest, but Odon began moving faster than Sam could see. He dodged the punch, his body looking like a blur, and kicked Sam in the stomach, making him double over as he flew out the window. Sam's body snapped straight as a board, his arms snapping up to his head. Charlie had cut his pant leg equally as fast as Odon had kicked him. Charlie dodged a shot from Odon, whipping Sam around and launching him back to the center of the room, where he rolled several times and slammed into the front door. Odon began getting a few shots in on Charlie. In fact, he seemed to be catching on to Charlie's fighting style. So, Charlie switched his stance. On Odon's next shot, he sprang forward right past him jumping up, swinging around his neck, and curling into a ball directly above his head. He grabbed the back of Hodon's head and propelled himself from the ceiling downward, slamming the man's face into the floor. The entire floor caved in, and all three of them fell into the suite below. The two were now fighting in the kitchen of some apartment, Odon throwing jabs and kicks nearly too quick for the human eye to see, Charlie dodging just as quickly, occasionally grabbing an arm and punching his elbows and knees. Odon again began to figure out his tactic and began to land some nasty shots on Charlie. 
it was clear now why he was such a top dog. Not only for his mysterious power, but for his cleverness as well. The shockwave from the punches shattered the glass and windows all around. Sam, now slumped over the kitchen counter, came to his senses and charged up his glove for a major stun shot as Charlie switched tactics again, now favoring more grappling techniques than outright punches and kicks. Charlie wrapped himself around Odon like an anaconda, pinning his arms to his neck as Sam jumped toward both of them, winding back his arm in midair. Odon, wrapped up with Charlie, noticed Sam in midair and raised his leg to kick him back. But Charlie wrapped his own legs around the man, pinning him down further. Sam's punch landed, and the impact sent Sam, Odon, and Charlie flying in all directions. The front door opened. Nick and Bill scurried through the door, ready to join the fight. The blast knocked Nick and Bill off their feet and back into the door, closing it. The electricity zapped, and the fire sprinklers went off, drenching the entire apartment in water. Moments later, Sam coughed, picking himself off the ground, now completely drenched from the sprinklers. He looked around and saw everyone lying on the ground. Everyone but Odon, who had risen from the ground as well. Nick and Bill were evidently unconscious behind the closed door. Charlie's eyelids flickered on and off as he was resetting his programming, and Odon cracked his neck as he stared down Sam. Well, guess it's just you and me now, Sam said as the gloves formed around his hands. I guess so, Odon said, scowling. Sam ran toward the man, grabbing his own wrist and twisting to set the gloves to full power on shock mode. Electricity danced between his fingertips as he closed his hand into fists. The buzzing sound of the gloves charging was now loud enough for the entire room to hear. That is, if they weren't unconscious. He swung at Odon, who moved out of the way so quickly he wasn't even a blur. He was just gone. Seven more punches missed as Sam became increasingly frustrated with himself. This would be amusing if you had not interrupted my dinner, Odon said. You are so slow and weak, Sam continued his flurry of punches, trying everything short of spinning in circles with his hands out pretending to be a helicopter. Nothing worked. You have to use those trinkets on your hands. Pathetic. What are you even good for? Do you even have powers of your own? Or are you one of those weaklings that harbor a useless power or no power at all? Odon laughed at him. Sam screamed in frustration, upping the number of punches and kicks he threw at Odon, who simply appeared behind him kicking him in the butt, knocking him over to his knees. If I were a younger man, I would simply kill you right now. But I have killed so many in my life that it has become boring to me. What a waste to kill something as weak and laughable as you so quickly. I now enjoy toying with my prey. He walked over to the kitchen counter, grabbing a cup and chucking it at Sam's head. It burst into a million pieces, most of which lodged into his skin. He screamed again in frustration, tears welling in his eyes. This would be so much easier if he had the power that Jack did. This would be over in a moment. If Sam had the talents Jack did, just then, deep in his mind, the voice of a creepy old man rang in his head. And here I thought we made progress.
Even unconscious, Bill was still giving him condescending advice. Sam's eyes went wide. He's not Jack. He can't solve this problem like Jack would. He turned around. Because I'm not Jack, he said out loud. I'm Sam, he smiled. You're about to be dead. Your name does not matter. Sam stood, the gloves on his hands becoming bracelets again. Toy with your prey? You know how stupid that sounds? Odon cocked his head. Sam's smile grew wider. You sound like an idiot. Someone who eats a big bowl of ego soup three times a day. Odon's expression darkened slightly. Do you wake up and rush to the mirror just to look at yourself? Is that your favorite part of the day? Because it sounds like it is. Sam let out a chuckle as Odon's expression darkened further. Oh, what's wrong? Does your food not usually talk back like this? Is this scary for you? Sam was now face to face with Odon. You're pathetic. He looked him directly in his eyes. If my friend Jack didn't hold back at the museum, he'd be a piece of modern art right now. Splattered all over the walls. And here you are, toying with your food, picking on someone half your size and not even a tenth of your power. Because the truth is, you're too scared to pick on someone your own size. Odon looked surprised for a moment, then grabbed Sam's neck, lifting him into the air. I thought I recognized you. That boy you mentioned. He squeezed and twisted his hand, snapping Sam's neck. He was no, he is no man. He is a demon. He dropped Sam and took a long, deep breath. A crunching sound came from his feet as he looked down and Sam grabbed his leg, sending thousands of volts of electricity through his body making him convulse and eventually pass out. Sam rolled over on his back, wiping his face as the rest of his bones cracked into place. He sat up as Nick and Bill walked over to him. Nick grinned. Now you understand why my partner was labeled a titan. Looking over Odon lying on the ground, he shook his head. Unstoppable. Unpredictable, Bill added. Unbelievable. Sam said, seeing Odon roll onto his belly groaning. Bill reached into a bag he was holding and began rustling through it. Let's see here. What to use? What to use? His eyes went wide and he smiled. Ooh, this ought to do it. He pulled out three syringes, two with black liquid, one with clear liquid. What are those? Nick asked, shaking his head. And where'd you get that? Bill jammed all three syringes into Odon's neck, and it collapsed again, this time out for good. Hopefully. Bill shrugged his shoulders. I don't know. This bag was up in the conference room. I figured it was his. Enough money here to retire happily to some island. Some thumbtacks, a pack of gum, a notebook, and those three syringes. Like finding buried treasure. Bill smiled. Come on, Nick said. Let's grab this guy and get out of here. Bill and Nick grabbed Odon and began to drag him out the door. Kid, check the robot. Bill tapped on Sam's wrist and nodded his head toward Charlie. He might need a slight jolt of electricity to reset his system. He is a prototype, after all. 
Sam walked over to Charlie, whose eyelids were still blinking at a steady rhythm. He set his gloves to 15% power and grabbed Charlie's head to shock him. His eyelids flashed off briefly, then they flashed back on. Charlie shot up just as he did during training, stiff as a board, scanning the room for enemies. Right then, he said, nodding. Seems I missed quite a bit. Nice nap, though. Say, what happened after I blacked out? He looked down at Sam, who was still kneeling. We won, Sam said, rising to meet him eye to eye. Right. Cheers. Charlie walked past Sam out the door, easily picking Odon up for the two men struggling to get him down the stairs. He tossed him over his shoulder as Sam caught up with them. What do we do now? Where do we go? Sam said as the three of them hurriedly jogged down the stairs. I've got just the right place for an interrogation, Bill said with a slight grin. Here we go again, Nick said. <laughs>